0: Hello, guys, welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Hope you guys are all doing good. Uh, so, for this episode, I've gone a little bit back to my roots, uh, back to my windsurfing roots. Those of you that listened to a few before know that, um, yeah, I spent years teaching windsurfing and all this. Um, and anyone else that teaches windsurfing or is even slightly involved within the sport will probably have heard of my, my guest um, today. Um, his name is Sam Ross, he is uh, the, the main kind of in windsurfing instructor coach. So he trains people how to be instructors. Um, he's worked abroad for many years. He's done pretty much everything within the industry, from working with brands um, to now coaching the Olympic British windsurfing team. Um, so, yeah, he's a really, really interesting guy. Got some, like, mind-blowing views, in my opinion, about um, about coaching and teaching people and how people learn and all that stuff. Um, and it was great to chat to him about that kind of stuff um, and chatting as well about, you know, mental health and how that comes into teaching someone and how you adapt um, and actually checking in on people and making sure that your, your students are doing good. Um, so I hope you guys are doing good, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Sorry if um, it does get a little bit windsurfing specific, but even if you've never windsurfed in your life, I think we can all um, take something away from it. Cheers, guys. Enjoy. Hello, guys. Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Uh, this week, I am joined by Mr. Sam Ross. Uh, he is chief just chief windsurfer, I think. Chief windsurfer. Sure. He's the Lord Commander of Instructors. Um, Sam, thank you for uh, thank you for agreeing to come on. Um, how Not problem at all. How, how are you? How's How's lockdown?
1: How's How's video calling everyone? <laughs> It's, it's all right, so, Yeah, yeah, spent a long time on Zoom. But uh, yeah, I've you know, definitely should have bought shares in that like know. a few weeks ago, whenever it yeah, was. Yeah,
0: I saw it. You know, he's he's made about. I saw something saying the CEO has made about four billion since lockdown started, or something mental. Like,
1: yeah, who'd have thought? He, he's yeah, got that's it. There, like, this is the best thing that could have happened right now. Absolutely, it's conspiracy movie. That's it. I think <laughs> yeah. it's also. It's. Uh, I feel like we've gone back to like the late nineties, and it like. We're Doing like Skype and kind of things like that, and kind of those bits and pieces, which you know, was it's been a long time since I used like Skype or anything like this, but no, um, yeah, no, I'm right. I, uh, well, we kind of it's, it's weird now, we're like second bit of lockdown, aren't we? So it's been weird being inside for a long time, but uh, yeah. I've been in the water the last two days, so I cannot complain. So, uh, that's
0: awesome. coming out the other
1: side of it. Yeah. I've, not,
0: I've not managed to get back on the water yet, but like I, I, was, I was saying just before we started recording, like. I, yesterday was the first day where I was really like oh I could I could do with actually getting in the sea now um, so yeah. it must, must have been a pretty nice feeling after yeah it's been about seven weeks hasn't it yeah
1: yeah I think I think it was because I had a I was off the water I was coaching the week before but I wasn't in the water yeah so I think it was about yeah I think it's like hey actually, actually it's fair when I got back from the last bit of coaching I got my last windsurfer's at like Gwivian. Mm-hmm. like it's hey, about Gwyveen. three of us out like cross off float and ride quite big actually yeah, like so that. That's kind of seen me through for the last seven, eight weeks or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and then be out two days in a row, so it's not too bad. Yeah,
0: I had the same thing. It, we had like there was a week or so of wind before, um, just before lockdown started, and me and me and our friend Mikey, um, we had like four or five days in, around Portsmouth and the Witterings. It was just all time, so I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied for the moment.
1: Yes, yeah, fill your boots as much as you can. The lockdown's yeah, yeah. coming, like get stuck but, in. That's
0: it. But I will say now, I'm, I'm ready to go again. Um, well, that's good that's good um so those of you that um obviously don't don't know sam i mean i first met you mayors 10 10 years ago 10 years ago uh, mm-hmm. when i was working for a company called nielsen that you used to work for as well but we'll get to that in a minute um and i we, nielsen flew me to uh to another resort and uh um, it's
1: a lesbos they flew me there yeah. and
0: i was told that there was a couple of instructors from every nielsen resort so i was like oh boom this is gonna be epic and I'm still on my first season, and I'm, you know, maybe a bit big for my boots at the time. And um, I arrived, and we got there, and I remember meeting you and stuff, and I was the only person from another resort. <laughs> Every other person on the course had just done a, pretty much a full season with each other. And it was, it was like October, so it was horrible weather and stuff. Yeah. It's an
1: like onshore big wave. It's quite a big wave, isn't it? Big onshore, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like my first time ever really sailing in any waves. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, I remember it being. But like, it was, you know, it was it was an epic week. But that was that was where I first met you. So I mean, how um, how did you how did you get into windsurfing? How
1: did you how did you get to to that point first? Uh, I mean, so there. I mean, I so I was I was lucky enough that my my dad windsurfed basically. So my right. dad was a windsurfer. Um, As an interesting one, that he never he never pushed me into the sport. He was like, "Do you want to have a go?" And I was pretty uninterested to be honest for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and then I think I was about. I think he tried to teach me when I was about 14, 15 in Poole Harbor. Um, dropped the mast on his head, split his head open, oh. then crashed to kids. so well, yeah, it's bad. Uh, it didn't go very well. Um and then he used to have some friends down in Cornwall it used to be a center called Outdoor Adventure. Right. Um down there, we still there actually. Um, and it's run by a couple, Rachel Med and Jeff Gill used to run it. And he used to go down there and he used to help them out with a bit of work stuff. Um, it wasn't more sports like but like management training stuff that he used to do. And he'd go down there for weekends and do some like get coached on some jibes and stuff. And, and he took me down there one weekend. Yeah. And um, it was really interesting. I, I listened to your one the other day. Uh, you know if, how you got on windsurfing first and Claire. It's like I basically got taught for a weekend. Yeah. Um, I absolutely hate it. Like I didn't hate it. I just, <laughs> I just I just I just found it really hard. Didn't really see the point of it. But the person that taught me, my instructor uh, Rachel Med. I literally thought she was the best thing in the world. Like she's amazing. Like just blew my mind. Like super enthusiastic, mad as a bag of squirrels. Um, really good windsurfer. Like and it wasn't until like a few years later I realised how how good she was. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of that weird thing of like I think I wanted to be a windsurfing instructor before I wanted to be able to windsurf. That's cool. That's like interesting. Oh, I, I just want, I just want to be like her. Like she was yeah, yeah. like you know, she was like she let I was like she's awesome. I want to be like that. Um, and so I kind of just persevered a bit really. And then slowly over the next few years, like my, my enthusiasm for the sport caught up with my enthusiasm for the, like want to be an instructor. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, yes, yeah, so I did that. You know, kind of like 16, 17 to the bit, did a, you know, and as soon as my dad had me in, it was like family holidays became going windsurfing. You know, that was the hook, you know, much my mum's disappointment. So, um, so we went on a couple of holidays, like we went uh, out to uh, Nielsen, well, what was a Sun World sailing holiday then? But it was basically Nielsen in the yeah. Tez. And that's when, you know, again, got introduced to a load of people that were a bit like Rachel, you know, a load of overseas instructors, like that kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like what they're doing is awesome. I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a couple of years of that, I went back, did some, you know, bit of separation. And basically when I when I was 17, uh, you know, got car finally, um, when I left school at 18, I just drove to the beach every day that summer, um, went windsurfing every day, tried to get a bit better with my, you know, Mistral Screamer 2 concept slalom and my, you know, <laughs> my, Ken, my Ken Black Series 3 before he the big fishing and like super old school kit. And yeah. I basically did that a bit. And then I, I, was, I really wanted to do an instructor course. And I was kind of like, where do I go? What do I do? Um, I tried to do one with Rachel in the UK because she was a trainer and didn't quite work out and then I went to Vasiliki and did a flying fish course oh man so, yeah yeah so I did that there you go I'm a yeah I'm a product of flying fish yeah, so mate. I yeah, that's cool yeah, I went, yeah went, so I went out to there I went did like a two week like skill builder so I basically just um, just went with for two weeks yeah, with yeah. Uh, the guys out there did, did my instructor course uh, with Alex Meller I think he did my course um, and then after that I stayed on and I worked at Club Bass basically for a bit. So I just got offered like work experience for a week. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they had, this is the time when they had Windfest used to go on as well. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, And Paul, So September time, pretty much all the staff would leave to go back to Windfest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they went back to Windfest and then a load would have to go for the Margarita as well. Cool. So I found myself like two weeks into being a windsurfing instructor running the Club Bass ends, like writing it, running it, doing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, doing that for a bit. And then I got asked if I wanted to stay on for the rest of the season, but I went to uni. Wow. So I was like, no, I don't. So I went off to uni instead. So I went to uni. Um, windsurfed a bit at uni and then basically summers started working, started working as a windsurf instructor. So the first year, um, I didn't go overseas. I worked in pool. So I worked out of a windsurf shop in pool, FC Water Sports and taught windsurfing out there. No, you know, no rescue boat, non, like, non-recognized like non center. We're talking like carry it out of the shop, throw it in the water, dog would climb onto my board and then <laughs> I'd sail around doing like one-on-one coaching in like Paul Harbour or like small groups, two or three people with no rescue yeah. cover with a dog, just sat like Zen of the dog, his ledge, just like sat on boards doing that um, and you know, that was pretty much my first summer yeah. and then working in the shop when I wasn't teaching and then back to uni, a bit more windsurfing and then second summer, I went to work for Nielsen, the Tez. Nice. Um, and I then, I think I did like Betez first uh, I think it was, I did a part season, that's three months while I was at uni, then did like another part season, then did a full season in Betez. And then after that, I went to Waterkent, which is just around the corner as a manager.
2: Yeah. And
1: then I went to Lesbos for two years. And then in the winters, I started going to Dahab. And then I went back to Kent back to Dahab. And then I finished off with like an 18-month stint in in Dahab. Yeah. um so i think basically between 2003 and 2000 and end of 2010 i spent about three weeks in the uk
2: wow like
1: from just doing that and like there's a couple of ski seasons in there as well but yeah just just basically winter summer winter summer winter summer all the way through pretty much yeah yeah that's crazy so yeah. yeah yeah so yeah that was it That's so did that and then came back to the uk and that's the weird thing is that was 10 years almost 10 years ago now yeah,
0: um, because yeah. I, I, weirdly, I remember when I was looking to do my flying fish course, which was at the beginning of, beginning of 2010. So when yeah. I was looking at doing that, I found this thing called Nielsen Academy that I've since realised was you in Dahab. Yeah. And I was about to do that and I was literally signed up to do it. And then they turned around and said they were stopping it. So yeah, I, I was about to go to Egypt and then that got cancelled and I said, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go to um, Australia and do flying fish. Um, so, I mean, you know, all, all ended up fine anyway. But, I mean, yeah, that must have been that year that you stopped doing that.
1: Yeah, so, so I did that a couple of winters, basically. So we did that whole, which Nielsen can still do now a little bit, you know, yeah. but they do it a slightly different way for UKSA. But for a couple of winters, I'd run a, su- a centre in the summer, and in the winter, I'd go and run the beach in Dahab and then run the academy as well, which was, a you know, same sort of thing, a zero to hero, um, instructor train thing, and then yeah. with, you know, a guaranteed job at the end. Yeah. Um, and it can't, it, but then it sort of meshed into the center running with normal customers as well. So yeah. it, was, it was quite it's a, bit, it's a bit weird. I'll to like in a group one week, not in a group the other week, and then with me for a bit and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's tough. Um, but, but, but yeah, but it was great for me because I, would you know, as soon as I became an instructor, I wanted to be a trainer. I'd always wanted to be a trainer. So again, you know, the, the people that to me had really impressed me were like the people that first went to Winter, like Rach, and she had also been a trainer. Right. And I'd seen her do training instructors. I was like, again, you know, really early on, I was like, I, I, I want to be like her, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's kind of like I wanted to be a trainer. So um, I kind of was very lucky. You're like Neilson, incredibly supportive actually.
2: Yeah.
1: Was, I was running this like instructor training stuff, but then I'd get trainers out to run courses and I'd shadow on the course. And then, so, you know, and that I got pushed through from an overseas point of view to go and do my trainer's course. Um, so I did that, you know, in 2007, I think it was. And then quite quickly, because they had loads of instructors in the training, I did loads for them, did some in the UK. Um, I then very quickly became like an intermediate trainer and before I came back to UK, I was already an advanced trainer. Um, so I've kind of, so I've done, i done all my tickets, all my trainers tickets yeah. before I come back to UK and that was, that was because of the academy and stuff that, that's kind of how I made it happen. Because yeah. normally you wouldn't be able to do that massive instructor courses in such a short period of time. So I'm very lucky to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, those of, those of you that don't know, basically there's, there's varying levels of becoming a windsurf instructor and then you also have to then do the varying levels of being able to teach those instructors how to do it. So, I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's the top of the food chain, isn't it? Advanced, advanced instructor trainer. Yes, that yeah. Is,
1: that is the yeah maybe. Yeah, that's if it's yeah, good. it's a food chain thing,
0: but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, not, that's, that's, that's pretty cool, yeah. Well, yeah. also, I mean that's it's that's very attractive to a lot of people as well because I mean, generally I for me I found with with instructors and stuff like that what's really interesting what you said is usually people care more about the windsurfing than the teaching. So, you know, for me working, I worked overseas for the best part of 10 years as well in windsurf place resorts and stuff and a lot of the instructors weren't necessarily that keen on kind of climbing that, you know, not many of them. I remember Club Vass and Ollie, who runs Club Vass, used to have to be like, you need to do your advanced course. You need, you know, if you're going to teach advanced, you need to do it. And a lot of people wouldn't, were a bit anti kind of doing these courses and stuff, um, which I always found, I always found it quite strange. I'm like, no, you, you know, and then there was there, the rest of us, there was sort of five or six of us that were like, yeah, we, we you know, did our advanced, like, you know, Mikey and me, we did our advanced course together. And we're like, yeah, I don't want to be teaching <laughs> beginners anymore. I want to be you know, doing that. But I think it's, I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's a really, it's a really interesting. One. I think a lot of it depends on how you, how you look at learning is the kind of the thing of like how you learn that stuff. And I think, yeah. I think from my point of view, you know, I've, I've, you know, windsurfing, windsurfing is a beautifully challenging sport. I think it's probably one of the the sellers of it really. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it, it's uh, it's not an experienced sport. So, you know, you don't go and go, right, it's not like bungee jumping. You don't go and do it and go, cool, I've done that. and never need to yeah, do it again. Yeah, it's yeah. a, you know, it's, it's a kind of a it's, a, it's a learning, it's a learning sport. You know, you go do stuff and you learn stuff and you progress. And I think depending on how you look at learning, you know, for me, it's like, you know, wanting to be a coach, it's like, well, I've I've worked out how to do this thing. And yeah. it's been hard working out how to do it. I think I can make that quicker for someone else. Like, so, you know, I think, but being through that it's like you know if there's a if there's a way of learning a move and there's a way of crashing to get to that stage I will have done all of those crashes yeah. like <laughs> yeah, yeah. many 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 times <laughs> I mean like I you know I I will have I, I would probably fail more in learning a move than anybody else I ever coach <laughs> like you know my my, my failure rate is, is high but then that speed speeds up my learning process yeah, so, yeah. Then, so then you know, you, you, you know when you come to the coaching stuff you, you know you've got a yeah, you know, I feel like I really understand how this works because I didn't just just do it. Yeah, it's like it was really hard, so I really know how it works. So yeah. I'm gonna make it less hard for you. Or I can help you get there quicker. But um, you know, in this, yes, it is a really interesting one. Like you know, what do you get joy from? Yeah, I love windsurfing. Like I love going windsurfing. I love spending time on the water. I love doing stuff and learning things. Yeah, but you know, if you've got a really motivated person and you help them crack something, I I will I find that equally as rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes you need to not do that because you need to go and spend a bit of time doing your own thing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that there's, there's a balance between the two, I think.
0: Well, I think definitely, I mean, you know, for, for me as well, certainly, I, as I said, there was definitely a few of us that were a lot more interested in coaching than, than other ones. And I remember some of us, you'd come in and, and it was actually actually a really awesome thing you'd see and and sometimes actually it came more from the girls weirdly a lot of the girls would come in and they'd be so stoked on the lesson they just taught and one of the people they were teaching say you know they might have done their first water start or something like that you know made a real big big step up and they're 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 more stoked about that than you know learning them them themselves going out and learning something new um, but I think it's, I think it's, in, yeah, it's just, it's just, there's it, two complete kind of schools of thought, really, I think. But it's almost, it goes past being selfish and unselfish, doesn't it?
1: Because it's not, you, you have it's, to. It's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's what you're motivated by, isn't it? You know, like, exactly. you know, that's, it's, that's the thing you say. So, for example, um, I used to be a first aid instructor for a really short period of time. Right. I am um, no longer a first aid instructor because I just have absolutely, you know, whilst it's a really important thing like, you know, and it's a really good thing to teach.
2: Yeah.
1: I have absolutely no passion for teaching first aid. Like, yeah. you know, I just, I just can't do it. Whereas I've, I've I've been on first aid courses where the people are incredible, they're brilliant. You yeah. know, like, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, I, I cannot bring that level of passion to doing that. Um, at the same time, I don't love going doing first aid either, but it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's, there's things that, things that, you know, motivate you. And that's not a, that's not a selfishness thing or that kind of well, stuff, okay. you know, like, you know, no, yeah, so it's, it's just um, yes, yeah, it's what it, yeah, it's what flights your boat, really, isn't it?
0: Well, I think I think as well, not having if you don't have the passion for it initially, you're never going to be that good at teaching it, are you? You know, for me, I found, uh, and it was interesting the podcast I did with with Sam Light recently. He said he kind of lost, found himself losing that passion for kite surfing because he was teaching beginners all the time. And I found, um, I think this happened as I improved and went up the levels, not only in my own windsurfing but also instructor instructor wise. But I found the point where I was teaching beginners, and I found it really mundane and really boring. And I found myself being yeah. actually a, a worse instructor for it. I was kind of like in my head. I ended up being frustrated, like, why can't you just do this? And it took a while for me to actually kind of drum, try and get that out of my system, and realize that you've got to completely
1: change tack, for lack of a better term, and teach completely. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting one. That like, it's um, I think, I think one of the challenges, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's citing, you know teaching higher levels is, is better or nicer. And a lot of the time, it's, um, it's to do with, you know, in theory, by the time you get to a high level, there's a high percentage of people that are more motivi- mo- motivated by what they're trying to learn. Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas actually, you know, again, you can have a lot of people at beginner level, but that's, that's the experience they've done. So I, suppose, I suppose it's me, you know, for me, it's the, um, I, I don't mind what level I teach Really, and I, and I teach everything from like beginner, beginner and kids, all the way through to people that want to go to the next Olympics. You know, so you got like whole like bandwidth of stuff, and yeah, it's yeah. like, and and I've I found weird moments where I'm like, I'm um, you know, one day I'm standing in a reservoir, you know, like holding up a rig for like <laughs> yeah. a seven year old nipper, and then the next day I'm like chatting to someone like you know, two miles out to sea, like you know, in a rib that's basically trying to work out how to like you know make a. Tiny percentage gain on something so it's quite, it's quite a kind of weird weird thing, but yeah actually for me the thing that's changed it is i don't mind what level I teach it's about the mindset of the people I teach so okay. like if, if they if they if they've got a really growth mindset and they're they're you know they're curious and they're keen to learn and they don't mind failing and that stuff yeah. that's great because you like because that's what learning looks like where someone's got a very very fixed mindset. That, that I find frustrating. And then I end up not coaching the sport. I just try and coach mindset all day long. You know, and then it's like, you know, there's a battle of trying to, like, change those mindset, which, which you can do, but takes a bit more time. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's, so it's weird. I think it's, it's sometimes the, it's the mindset of the people you teach rather than necessarily the, the level. But the challenge, I think, a lot of the time is, the classic one is, when you're a beginner windsurfing instructor, you're, you're just teaching beginners. Yeah. Like, you know, that's it. So you're not getting any variance. Yeah, like you know, and actually the variance of what you're teaching at level is all the same. Like you know, kind of from the beginning of beginner windsurfing to the end of beginner windsurfing, it's very similar. To get to advanced windsurfing, by that stage you've got loads of problems you've got to deal with. So it's great. So you know, yeah. so the coach you kind of like this one for you, this one for you, this one for you. So yeah. it's really, there's it loads of variety in there. So yeah,
0: well, it, yeah, it becomes so much broader, doesn't it? Whereas at yeah. the beginning, I, I mean, I remember my, one of my last kind of seasons in, um, in in Greece, and by this point, you know, I've been an advanced instructor for years and. And I was pretty much exclusively teaching advanced, either advanced kids or advanced adults. Um, but I remember one week I was just, I don't know why, but I kind of said to, um, Ollie, the the manager, I said, can you, can I do a week of beginners? And he, he was like, yeah, do it. And, and I kind of, I kind of got them on and I kind of said, right, I'm going to absolutely Jedi the shit out of you guys. And by, I said, by the end of the week, you're going to be better than the low intermediates. And we were blessed. We had a really good week of wind. Um, And I kind of viewed it as like, I think maybe it was a bit of personal pride for me of like proving that I'm a good instructor, do you know what I mean? And proving that I could do it. But also, and it was a really varied group. There was kids, there was, you know, the classic kind of windsurf widow, older lady that isn't that interested, but her husband loves it. And she's just going to do it because he wants her to. Um, And actually, you know, I, I ended up kind of maybe going a bit above and beyond. And it was, it's actually one of the best weeks of teaching I ever did. And at that yeah. point, I, I, I hadn't taught beginners for a few years and stuff, but I think that's why I loved it so much. And they did, you know, they were all, well, not, you know, getting a bit deep into windsurfing, but they were all in the harness, planing, deep water, beach stuff. They were they were all smashing it by the end of
1: the I week. I mean, in, 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 in any sport, you know, like if you look at any sport, the only, the only level which everyone ever gets tuition in, in any sport is at beginner level, pretty yeah. much. Do you mean, like, you know, so, and you think of, uh, whether someone's an Olympic champion or they're a world tour superstar, that stuff. Yeah. Someone definitely taught them at the beginning. Like, you know, they definitely were a beginner and that's the only, that's the only time they pretty much guarantee you've got some teaching. Uh, At that stage, that person held in their hand the, I'm either going to do this and stop and give up or I'm going to press for and I'm going to carry on. And actually whether they got good or not in that week doesn't, in a weird way, it doesn't really matter. It's like, what did they do next? Yeah. like I think, um, there's, there's a, there's way too little appreciation for the, you know, it's, it's like it's like the club volunteer, it's the beginner windsurfing instructor, it's that stuff. Like they've got the hardest job. They've got to basically introduce a load of new random stuff in a totally random environment with a new set of skills. Yeah. Convince people that they've made a good idea. Then people find it hard and think, why am I doing it? then they've got to convince them that it's oh, all right, it's hard. In fact, hard is good. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, emotionally get them through that stage, probably get a whole new set of cuts and bruises that they've never had in their life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're off on the way and it's like, you know, actually, you know, it's it's a re- it's a really interesting one. Like, you know, being an advanced winds structure, hanging off a simulator, wanging your arms around and giving a few hints every night, it's it's not too hard a job really. Like, uh, you know it, it does get being a beginner, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah getting bought a beer and being asked, you know, what's your top tip for the middle of a carve drive, you know, yeah. like, you know, sit there all day and just, you know, like, you know, parrot it off a few, oh, you know, here's yeah. some tiny, like, here's some, here's some golden nuggets for all of you. Yeah. But actually being a, being a really good beginner with a and, and like doing that really well is, is, is a, or, you know, any sport actually is, a, is a proper art form. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes like going back to it, you're like, right, I'm going to commit to this and do this really well. It's like, it just, you change your mindset a little bit as well on that okay,
0: well, I mean you have kind of answered the question for me there I mean I was going to say how how important do you think that the instructor is in that situation of because it, you you just said there you know it, it's very much dependent on the student's mindset but do you think that is more important than the instructor's role or do you think with a good instructor they can completely change that mindset oh
1: uh, so so you can so, so you know, you talk about growth versus fixed mindset. So growth mindset is, well, sorry, fixed mindset is the idea that, you know, ability is fixed and how people are fixed and outcomes are effectively fixed and predetermined. Yeah. So if you, if you think that you can't change someone's mindset, in a sense, you have a fixed mindset yourself. Yeah. You know, right. so, yeah, so, yeah, so it's, um, you know, so the idea of growth mindset is, yeah, things will be challenging, things will be hard, but, you know, um, you know, with effort, repetition, productive practice, you're, you'll get there. And actually, you know, a lot of the time, like coaching juniors, you know, um, and this is the challenge, you know, it's more, it's it's less about what you say, it's how you say it. Mm. So, you know, if you take a classic example of, um, and this might might be of adults and stuff, and it's it's a really interesting one when when I work with coaches on this, like you, if I set a challenge to a group of junior windsurfers, whatever level, and I go, right, have a go at this, and they do it straight away, you know, the classic answer would normally be, well done, you're really good. My answer now would be, oh, I'm really sorry for wasting your time. Clearly, that challenge I gave you is way too easy. Try this. Um, and it's not until they, um, they start to fail and then overcome failure and then they learn to do it, then I'll give them some praise. Okay.
2: Because
1: it, the idea is if, if I'm giving praise for doing things first time, then they'll think it's all about doing, be able to do things first time. And the issue is then when it gets hard, they'll go, well, I'm clearly not good enough like, you know, where's the praise now? So, yeah, so, you see, you know, so it sounds really weird, but what you do is you praise the process, not the outcome. Like so it's it's a really weird one of like, you know, you're working really hard there. Well done. That's really good because you're going to have to keep doing that because even if you find it easy now, it will get hard. Like, it's going to get hard. It's like, you know, there's, doesn't matter how much talent you think you've got in the world, at some point you will run out of talent. Like, yeah, you know, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So you're like, just going to hit a rope, aren't you? You know? And, and, you, and you, see it, you see it a lot in really good um, juniors, you know, junior wind surfers. So I see it all the time, you know, and it's, it's changed my idea. Now. And we're not talking racing now, we're talking like wave and freestyle and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because they'll have been, from the age of 10, 11, they'll be like, you're amazing, you're the best. And they can probably do rocket airs at 11, being told how amazing they are and that sort of stuff. The thing is, if you're told how awesome you are and you can do a rocket air, you know, and you never crash your rocket air, then, you know, you're going to go learn to forwards. You're like, I'm going to crash a lot on the forwards. And then I'll, probably people will stop telling me how amazing I am. So you know what I do? I'll just, I'll just keep on doing these rocket airs. Yeah. And then when you're 15, doing a rocket air isn't that cool anymore. Like, and suddenly, you know, so what you do is just go do something else, like just drop out. Like, and it's, 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 it's really interesting. Like, you know, child prodigies that are told they're really, really, really good tend to peter out.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. the kid
1: that's not quite as good as them that's always trying to beat them that's never getting the praise long term they, they're actually. not yeah like, it's like, like younger brother syndrome you know younger sister syndrome you know like you know, if you're used to losing all the time but you really want to win when you do eventually win you'll keep trying to win if yeah. you're used to winning all the time and then you lose you're probably going to do something else well yeah, like, it. yeah. It's,
0: but, it's kind of what you're used to and it's that level of determination
1: that you've got that yeah. in yourself isn't it so, so, as a as coach, yeah, you can, you, you have a huge, like, whether it's a beginner adult or a beginner kid, you, your biggest impact is actually, to be honest, if you were there or not, they'd learn the sport. Like, you know, like, you know, if you just gave them the kit, like, otherwise windsurfing wouldn't exist. Well, like, yeah. Someone did it on their oh, own. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> someone yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Jim Drake, Hoyle Schweitzer, uh, you know, Peter Chilvers, whoever it was, they got it going, didn't they? Like, they didn't yeah. need an instructor. But actually, your, your biggest impact is to you know, help them out, you know, so, solve some problems, set some problems, but then actually at the same time is to, to try and send them through the right mindset. Yeah, if yeah. you get that right, that's, 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 the, that's the biggest thing you can do as a coach, yeah. which a lot of the time doesn't look like you're getting them any better, but it will help them longer term. So that's the kind of, it's, it's, not a, it's not a golden nugget of that stuff, it's the phrasing. And when you hear it for the first time from the outside, you're like, that coach is like saying some pretty weird, he's like, you know, you're not going, yeah, well done all the time. You're going like, oh, right, well, that wasn't very interesting was it you found it way too easy try this loads
0: harder yeah. like yeah I guess, so, um, I guess it's just the way you frame it as well because I guess if adopting that mindset it can be quite easy to come across as like you know the, the kind of tough tough teacher at school that never gave anyone any praise and
1: yeah. you know what I mean but the thing is if you're if you're, if you're, if you give, you're giving praise all the time but for the right things well, for, like, for the process for the hard work exactly, yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah you're doing the process yeah. rather than the, the end result
1: um, yeah that's it
0: which I mean, in itself, that re- that relates to, to so many things, doesn't it? Actually, you know, you know, all this stuff. You know, you hear these days of trying to, you know, enjoy the journey rather than the destination, and all this stuff. And I think that, like, sounds like you've kind of applied that that mentality to
1: coaching. You know, yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like you know that that I you know m- mindset is not a sporting phenomenon. It's a it's an everything phenomenon, isn't it? So exactly. you know, yeah. So you know, if again, it's. No, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like a lot of top athletes that probably got a a really good growth mindset. Yeah. you know, often when they come out of the sport, they're in. They're often successful in in other things. To yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah. it's like in the, in the same vein. It's like it's, I always find it a really interesting one of like, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know if you've been watching this uh, the Last Dance documentary. About I've, watched Jordan,
0: episode, I've watched the first episode, and then I keep meaning to rewatch. But I've been yeah. yeah.
1: It, it's it's a bit like watching Back to the Future because they keep going to like back into '92 and forward into '98. The one stage you like, I don't know where I am anymore. But yeah. like you know, you look at him and he he went from one stage where he you know he's he obviously the best basketball player in the world ever. Yeah, and he retires for a bit and goes and plays baseball and gets pretty good. Yeah, like, gets really good. <laughs> like you know I mean, like but again, it's like you you when you watch that, and I'd say for anyone that's doing any sport, it's well worth watching. Yeah, because basically they just talk about what he was doing. And it's like. Where they come down two hours before everybody else, yeah, hit balls for like three hours, and then you know afterwards hit balls for three hours, and you know it's that kind of you know you you read the kind of Johnny Wilkinson stuff or any of that kind of stuff. It's like well, you know it wasn't that they were really talented; they just did a lot more of it than anybody <laughs> around them. They just worked a lot harder. Like that's that's what they did. didn't
0: they? Yeah, so, yeah that's it. Do you think, what you know, you always hear all this stuff about you've got to do something for, what is it, 10,000 10, hours before you master it? What Do you, do you think that's... A look, a yeah, look, it's a, it,
1: or do you think that's... It's a, a, it's a Malcolm Gladwell thing, that, or it's just like a paraphrase thing of like this 10,000 hours rule, you know, 10 yeah. years a 1,000 hours. Um, they, they've kind of done some studies and stuff, and I don't know, it's an interesting one, like, if, you, if you're really into this sort of stuff, like Matthew Saeed's a good author to read because he kind of takes all the works so and puts there's a book called Bounce, it's pretty good. There's a really good one for kids, actually, called You Are right. Awesome which is by him, but he kind of distills it all down into like really nice kind of like tabloid style reading, which is quite cool. But, um, yeah, does it take 10, 10, 10,000 hours to be world class? The the key to it is, is not about the amount of practice it's the productivity of the practice. Yeah. And and that's what, that's what most people get wrong. So like, you know, for example, I've been driving since I was 17, which is over half my life now. Um, Am I better than my seventeen? Yeah, I am probably better than my seventeen. But am I am I Lewis Hamilton's level? No, I've been doing it way more than ten years. Do you mean like? And I wouldn't even say I'm like that brilliant a driver. But then you know I will. You know you'll drive places and you'll just you're on. Unfortunately, you're on autopilot, aren't you? Yeah. Like my my practice is not productive. You know, and that's why, you know. It, it, the the phrase that really pains me is when people it goes you know you go to someone what does practice make and go oh, practice makes perfect you're like no it doesn't it makes permanent yeah. like so if you, if you practice that wrong for ten thousand hours you will be world class at getting that wrong yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean like you have absolutely ingrained that technique yeah yeah um so i reckon about it's about 300 repetitions to form a habit right is, is what you're actually looking at and and, and I can go super geeky here, but the way it actually works is basically every time, um, every time you do an action, you basically fire an electrical signal between synapses in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what happens when you fire that, every time you fire it, you fire it over and over and over again. So imagine it's like a B road to begin with. It's a bit dodgy and wiggly and it's not super quick, and then you keep firing it and it basically builds up into like an A road. And effectively what happens is a protein called myelin that basically forms over that bond and yep. it makes it a super fast connection so you go from like dial up to broadband to like being yep. super automatic and eventually you're automatic at it but the issue is if you productively practice something so you get it better that becomes a really good habit if you practice it wrong it becomes an equally strong habit it's just yeah wrong. Yeah. yeah yeah and then undoing uh, that is really difficult so you got to do your kind of you know, you've done your 300 repetitions and you've absolutely nailed it, and then you've got to try and undo that and change behaviour, and that well, yeah, that's nice. really challenging.
0: Now you got to do 600 of the new way of doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah that's it. Basically, uh, yeah. So, that's
0: That's something. That's something that I see a lot more in people that have, well, to use windsurfing as the example. That's something I see a lot in like advanced guys. So people that have been windsurfing for 20 years or something like that. And they've kind of just gone out and tried to figure it out, I think. And then, or well, they've done a few courses here and there. but And, and then, you know, you, usually you spend the first half of the week or the majority of the week trying to undo something they've done. And then, then you can start building it up
1: again. Um, yes, it's basically they're, they're, what they're doing there is got to change behavior. And that's really hard, you know, really difficult. That's harder, um,
0: that's harder than teaching a new skill, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's why sometimes like, you know, so the classic one is like, someone goes, i trying to learn to carve drive for 20 years. And it's like, that's, you know, you're in a really difficult place to learn there. You have to maybe go and do it over here or change this or change that. And it's like, whereas actually, you know, you often get that person that's come up, you know, just learn to get in the foot straps and, you know, the first carve drive they have a bang at, they just knock it out of the park. And it's that classic example of, you know, maybe we're getting very windsurfing here, but what a lot of people get around their first duck drive and not their first carve drive. And the beauty is, because they haven't tried any Dutch tribes. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, they've got, they've got no habits. Yeah, yeah they've
0: got no habits. Yeah. Trying, trying something completely new and fresh, you know, I think yeah. often, I think that, you know, they, and as well, it comes down to just, even just overthinking things. You know, it's so easy to, o- overthinking happens every day in, in, in normal life, but especially when you're doing a sport or something that you are is you know, kind of new and potentially a bit scary, you do end up, well, fear, fear is a huge part and that takes over and you end up, oh, I don't know and then yeah. you, you know fear and hesitation certainly in sports are huge barriers
1: but it's, but it's often like you know again it's like you talk about the learning process like fear being such a, a big influencer is you know you take take the sport we we reside in mostly you know there's there's you know we talk about and there's a lovely diagram you can draw which is like you know there's my comfort zone which is a little ring in the middle and then slightly outside that we talk about a, a stretch zone or a challenge zone and then Outside that is your kind of, you know, your zone of misadventure or challenge or, you know, oh shit zone for short. Do you mean that kind like <laughs> one? It's like, and the, the thing, you, the thing you want to learn is in the the outer ring. It's right out there. Yeah. And what you're doing is currently in your comfort zone, but where you learn is just outside it. So, like, you no, know, the classic one is, and where people get things wrong is they they try and go straight for the like all out up here, like go crazy, and it's like actually. You know, if I want to get outside my comfort zone, there's three things: it's the equipment you put me on, the conditions you put me in, and the skill you ask me to do.
2: Yeah.
1: And then the, the one we always come back to is like a forward loop. It's the classic, isn't it? Of like, okay, so what's in your comfort zone? Like blasting up and down in 25 knots, probably on flat water a bit of chop, on a five meter and 100 liter freestyle board. Like that's in your comfort zone. Yeah. And then you know, people go right, I'm going to learn to forwards. But the day they wait for it is like freeo weather, yeah, massive ramps. They pull the 70-litre waveboard out of the rack that they've never used. In fact, the foot straps are tiny because it's never yeah. been out of the rack before. Yeah, yeah. it's brand new. And it, yeah, and they sail off the beach with their arms like white. And you're like, the problem is, it's so far out of your comfort zone. Yeah. It's terrified. You can't look it because you're probably, you know, your sail's rigged because you've never rigged a three-meter before. Yeah. And it's like, you know, do you expect to be able to deploy any of your existing skills? Well, no, so you're never going to learn anything in those conditions. Yeah. Whereas what you should do is go like, right, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to learn to forward. In five meter weather on a hundred liter freestyle board in small chop because the only thing i'm changing is the skill i'm trying to do like yeah. you know and then i can actually all my abilities are back with me so it's yeah. like it's so it's like it's you know fear or you know misadventure is trying and manage that in a okay i'm just going to deal with that bit i'm just going to deal with that bit rather than the you know you know the classic one is and we all do it's like you just got to send it send it yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. and it's, it's like so easy
0: you know, to say that though isn't it it's so
1: yeah yeah, i have got to send it, but you just got to send it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like, you know. Yeah, don't send it as much as you think you have to. <laughs> yeah. Or sending it looks like sending it, you know, in conditions you feel comfy in or on kit you feel comfy on. Or it looks like using, you know, your existing skills on existing kit in more challenging conditions. That's Do you know what I mean like that's that's it? Yeah. So it's just like, you know, just send one of those three things. Don't so try and send all of them at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Like it's ones. like, you know. In that moment that sort of person walks out the rack in like full body armor, helmet, the whole lot, you know, <laughs> yeah. semi league waveboards. You're like, they're gonna get fifty meters, they're gonna go on a broad reach of doom for about five hundred meters down there and they're gonna walk back. Just don't, yeah, do, don't it. do it. Don't do it. We're gonna have to drive the boat and come and
0: pick you up in five minutes.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: So obviously that you know, you you went from um from kind of doing doing seasons and stuff, and then you know, we were just chatting before, you're now
1: doing a lot of work with the um, with the British sailing team. So, I mean, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, it's, it's a real weird one. Like, people ask me what I do, and I, I still think of myself as a season air. Like, even though I have been doing what I do now, well, I've been in the UK longer than I have been seasons for. So, yeah. it's like, kind of weird, that's a weird thing. Of, like, whenever I meet up with Nielsen guys, I, always, I refer to, like, the royal we. of like, oh, yeah, when we're – they're like, you haven't worked for us like 10 years. i <laughs> am like, oh, yeah, sorry. So, um, <laughs> but it is um, it's a weird one. I, mean, I came back to UK, and I did loads of different bits. I worked for a couple of brands for a bit. But I basically travel around doing instructor courses and coaching and – some clinic-y stuff and then I did some sales bits and pieces with like Tushingham, Severn and those guys and uh, Red Paddle Co and Starboard uh, and then I started working a little bit with um, some of the squads and it was just from like a technical viewpoint and just like a coaching point of view and that kind of thing um, and that was like junior squads and Team 15 which is like the kind of grassroots stuff Yeah, and doing that kind of all the way through and started working more with um, at one stage basically started working with uh, like a national junior squad so they're you know, going off doing some racing, that kind of thing. And meanwhile, I was doing loads more junior coaching. So did some junior wave stuff and some freestyle wave stuff and those bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was working bits and pieces of the Rway racing department, working more with them because they were very focused on making people better windsurfers rather than better racers. So if they're really, really good at windsurfing, then they can learn to race at some point. Whereas actually, you know, and there was some core cool, cool windsurfing skills that they need to nail. So that's, that's when I did that. Yeah. And then foiling came along four years ago. Yeah. You know, and, um, and actually two days ago was my four-year anniversary of going foiling for the first time, weirdly. It pops up on my Facebook memory. Oh, so yeah. when foiling came along, you know, like I love a fad. So um chance to learn something new. So I bought myself some foiling equipment and I learned the hard way and made every mistake and all that sort of stuff and got everything wrong. And I initially, when I got into foiling... I did it because I recognized that i and This sounds weird from what I said earlier. I needed something in the sport of windsurfing that was for me because everything had become work. So yeah. whether that be like Same freestyle life. or yeah. wave or free rides, like you know, me going to the beach was always work. And there was this really niche bit of windsurfing now, foiling, where realistically four years ago, I was like, this is never going to be a big seller. So... <laughs> like I'll tell you what I'll go do this I'll get into it the kit's kind of expensive and it's hard to get into and that sort of stuff and it looks quite difficult this will be like my thing this will be like my this will be me time over that's here it. like that's what yeah, I'll do yeah. and so I so I went and did that um, and learned and that kind of stuff and like you know if I go on a clinic I'll take the kit with me and that'll be my i go, go out at lunchtime and get, go foiling yeah. it was cool and that stuff and there was a couple of like really like trusted customers be like do I can have a go and I was like you know, and um the guy called Tim Hulley actually is a like absolute hero of a man. Like he's always my go-to, like I'll experiment on Tim quite a lot. And I'd be <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, we can have a go. And I think him and do you know Nancy Barnett? I do know Nancy, Nancy Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Barnett in Oscar. It's like, right, come on, Barnett. But I was like, right, I can teach you two. And so we got go out and they gave him a go. And this is like, you know, on a slalom board, a haru for like the com like I didn't really know a lot about it at times, well, but it's just trying to work it out. You know, if I did teach it, could I teach it? So we did that. Um and then, I, I actually, weirdly, at the time, at that sort of time, I um, so uh, Amanda Van Santen, who is the Chief Windsurfing Instructor and Chief Ding Instructor, who basically looks after outside the training department, who's always been, what she does with the scheme is, is quite incredible, actually. has always been really supportive. Yeah. She went on um, maternity leave for a bit. And I, I covered her job for about a day and a half of a month, just the windsurfing bit, the yeah. sense and stuff. And then when she came back, she'd been thinking quite hard about the foiling stuff and the dinghy side and the windsurfing side. And she was like, do you think it's a goer? Like, do you think it's a thing? And actually at that stage, I'd, I'd kind of gone and written a syllabus. Like if I was going to teach it, this is, what this is, do- how, I'd do, this is how I'd do it. Yeah. Um, and that's that kind of moment of like, so I kind of gave it to her. I was like, so I think I'd do it. And then actually from there quite quickly, it became, you know, a version of that, you know, 10, 10 versions down the line. You know, yeah. became uh, part of the syllabus, and it's that you know. And then foiling was a thing. And, you know, foiling is a thing now. You know, it's well, like say because it. it w- yeah.
0: What's interesting for me is like around the time you started it, Max started it. Our friend Max started it in yeah. uh, in in Greece as well. And I remember, I was interested. I wanted to understand why you started it because Max was very much. He was the other side. He was like, "This is going to be big." So he's like, "I'm hmm. gonna I'm gonna learn it now." So yeah. I think he, you know, and, and, you know, fair fair play. It was, you know, both of you, you know, you were very much ahead of the curve. And who kind of knew? Because, I mean, foiling's always been around. But in, you know, surfing and all this, and I remember seeing it in the first windsurf movie, guys foiling jaws and stuff. But I think it, the way it is now, I, no one really knew. Because then suddenly we went back to Bass the next year, and Max was doing one-to-one private lessons all day foiling and stuff. So I mean, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knew, you know, he kind of knew what he was doing. He knew it was going to be a thing. He kind of, I think because he's a, Max is a professional wind service. So he was out on tour and all the slalom guys were obviously going on about it and all this. So I think he, he just knew he was like, "Ah, this is, this is a thing. And people are going to want to learn this because it, it looks epic. It looks
1: like you're floating. It looks like you're flying. You know? it's, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's, it is triple. Like last two days I got on the water and if it wasn't foiling, I wouldn't have had a good time. Yeah, you know, like and it's and I've had a great. I've had two epic days of windsurfing foiling, and it's like, you know, and it just expands amount of time in the water. It's something new to learn as well. You know, there's there's so many, there's so many good things to it other than the fact that it's sounds really weird foiling. Like you know, yeah, more time in the water, more conditions. I now go out in nice weather. You know, it's like sunny and windy. You know, whenever the UK, whenever yeah, normally it's like just sideways freaking hail. And there's still still people,
0: there's still people lying on the beach when you go.
1: You know, I, I've, I've worn a shorty when surfing in the UK now, you know, whereas like I would have never have done that normally on the freestyle yeah, board or anything yeah. else. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's that side to it. And then, yeah, and, and weirdly, you know, I, I had a stab at racing on the foil, you know, why not? Like, yeah. you know, cause it was like, well, this it's a technical thing. I can do it. You know, this is going to make racing fun. It's planing all the time, you know, foiling all the time. There's no yeah. displacement stuff. Um, so is that happen,
0: of, that's what the Olympics are now then for, you know, wind, wind surfing, yeah. it's, it's all foiling and stuff, isn't it? So.
1: Yeah, so, 20, so 2020 or 2021 as it'll be, because the Tokyo's been delayed, is on yeah. the, the old kit, um, RSX, which came in in 96, I think it was. Yeah. May, no, sorry, sorry, totally wrong. Came in in 2008. So it's really weird. I always think of the nineties being much more recent than they were, but yeah. So 2008 was the first RSX kits so that's been in there since 2008 before that was Inco. Yeah, so 2008. Um, and then 2024, it will be foiling. So suddenly the 2024 Olympics is a lot of foiling going on. So there's a, uh, the NACRA, which is the catamaran is already in. So they will be in this time round. but then 2024 you'll see foiling kites and foiling wind surfers. Um, and yeah, and it's mad. So, so basically anyone that's not going to Tokyo now, they are, they're foiling. foiling. And so that's, this kind of brings me around. So full circle, Effectively, I was working for the, the British youth sailing team, the juniors. And then effectively when this transition was made to right, it got voted in, this is in November last year, like yeah. by world sailing 2024 is going to go foiling. You know, I got the call, which was like, right, Sam, we've got, we've got the team here. Um, we've got some, you know, uh, have a coach, Leo, who's a good foiler as well. Um, what we need you to do is he's come in and work with the team and turn them from RSX sailors or slalom sailors. And we, we went for quite a big cohort um, of people, invited in a lot of different people, and yeah. turn them into foil racers um, or foilers, basically, and then the turn the yeah. races already. So, yeah, so now I work with the British sailing team. So it's kind of it's quite a weird thing of basically, so my job now is I... I work with uh, most of the girls, but the, the boys as well. But anybody looking to go to 2024 that's not currently on the 2020 path, um, so i work with them for the next 18 months and it also happens.
0: So what what sort of um, what sort of age group is that then that you're that you're accomplishing at the moment?
1: I mean, I look I look after youth as well at the moment. Okay. So so basically, youth is anything above 16, but it depends on age and stage. So like you know, we've got a couple of like bigger lads who are like 14, 15 that you know because they. Pathway at the moment sort of techno at junior level where you'll learn a lot of basic skills and some basic racing skills. They're a bit big for it, so they've on to foils already. Um, and we've got a youth group, which is kind of under 19 and under 21. It kind of it depends on if you're in full-time education or not and those kind of yeah, bits. Yeah. And then we've got a – there is the British sailing team, and there's, you know, there's a small group of those, and they're already up from RSX. And the oldest of those at the moment, I think, in in our group, is about um, sort of twenty six, and then this kind of this group of sailors around that that we're going kind to of call kind of like P twenty four, if you like, or Project twenty four. Um, and you know they are yeah between basically under under twenty six mostly under twenty seven. Right. Okay. Like and technically they could be older, but you know actually it's just who is in the pathway or who wants to give it a go, and you know in theory there's nothing to stop someone coming in from outside that. You know, and yeah. there there will be a trial system in like you know 2022, 2023. and the winner of that trial system would get the the nod for twenty twenty four. Yeah. Um. But that. But the race of progression is insane. Like it. It really is insane. Like, so basically, I started working with uh, this group, especially with a group of girls in in November December. Right. Um. And you know that. And we. In fact, we didn't actually start training till January. And we did, I mean, I've done three weeks of them, four weeks of them from January till March. Yeah. And, you know, in 25 knots now, like, you know, they're smashing around on eight, nine meter sails, fully foiling around courses, you know, like sending it. (laughs) So it's like, you know, and it's like, yeah, this, the, 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 their ability to adapt and their ability to learn is, is, is epic. Like it's really cool.
0: And it's not even like it's not even like you know they're kind of still super young you know they, they're you kind of early mid twenties you know usually
1: yeah I mean there's, there's a bit of that but there's there's a lot of you know there's, there's sixteen seventeen eighteen yeah. nineteen you know, the wow. whole the whole the whole the whole plethora and actually their the, their ability to what, what's really good is that group you know, the, the reason they I, I would currently say they're like you know they're they're being successful at on trajectory is their ability to share experience information with each other is really key so they're um, a team as well. You know, yeah. They've done that really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like actually, you know, it's, it's a really interesting one of like the learning of the group is, is more important than the learning of the individual. That's cool. Like, yeah. And then that, that's, you know, and so you've got some older ones in there that are kind of going, look guys, I like, oh, actually, I went and tried to do this on a RSX or, you know, on, on the old kit, if you like, yeah. didn't quite work out for me. Here's the mistakes I made along the way, you know, or they're coming in now with, with maybe some challenges they faced in the past like how to rectify it this time. Yeah, and so and then some of the younger ones are bringing in that kind of you know just you know full power send it enthusiasm that sort of stuff you know it's, it's great yeah it's, it's really it's quite a cool Solid board, quite a cool group
2: isn't
1: it yeah it's you know it's like um, it's like looking at a team of seasoners like exact same you know like if they, if they work well as a team It'll, then yeah. you'll get a really good product doing yeah. if they yeah. if they don't you'll have a few superstars and then a lot of people that are really annoyed and the superstars probably won't be as superstar as they think they are like you know, That's the team works well. That'd be great. yeah. so,
0: yeah. so I mean, how much um, you know when you're when you're kind of coaching these guys? Obviously, you know we were chatting before I hit record, and there's there's a lot of kind of technical stuff. And you said even at the moment, you know, there's a lot of like you know Zoom calls, and then they're filming themselves on the water, and then you're kind of debriefing and all that stuff. How much does um, kind of mindset and sort of mental health and, and well-being and stuff for you as a coach does does that stuff all play quite a big role in, in your role or or is that for kind of for someone else to do? How, how does that side of it all work for these guys who it's, are you know at the top of the sport basically?
1: It, it varies a bit the support they get. So right, right at the top level, you know, they've we've got um, psychologists that are seconded from English Institute of Sport and psychologists with the British alien team. Yeah. That um, that you know work the team work really well. But then that support, you know, comes down into the group I work with, and then also there's there's that that comes down into into youth and junior and that sort of stuff. So there's so there's elements of that all the way through. Um, I suppose there's this challenge of there's there's in terms of like uh, mental health awareness. Um, we had a chat about this every week with a group of um, sort of uh, British sailing team athletes and stuff there's almost two sides to it. There's the the ability to like perform under pressure in a highly pressurized environment and regatta that lasts over six days and you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs and that stuff. And then there's the like the human being bit, like, you know, who are you outside of sailing? Like, you know, where, where are you at and that kind of stuff. And I think it's a, you know, your, I think your responsibility of the coach is like trying to get to know the individual. So it's it's really easy sometimes, especially when I was coaching juniors, for them to turn up and you to be like, right, we're going to do some calf jobs. Because yeah. actually, you're open and might be like, how's school? You know, like, what's going on in the world at the moment? Like, you know, and, and suddenly you get this thing of going, what's going on? I've got loads of exams and actually I've got a few challenges and this happening. I'm feeling pretty down at the moment and this happened to me at school. Yeah. And maybe, and then suddenly maybe actually, okay, well, what do you want to do today? Because actually suddenly me making you go and, Bang out a hundred tacks up the harbour and all these giants down the harbour and this sort of stuff. Like that might not be what you need right now. You might just need a bit of fun. Like you know, so it's it's a really interesting when you comes to that coaching side of trying to understand you know where people are in that spectrum. And I think yes yeah. it, yeah, it's it's a really interesting way to about mental health. And I think when I first started having more understanding of it towards my sailors, I always thought as mental health is the bad thing. Like you know, I've used suffer from mental health rather than uh, being like a, a thing that can be, I can, rather than having like, I can have good mental health and I can have bad mental health. Yeah, And it's like, but where am I? Like, you know, am I, you know, if good is 10, you know, am I Am I six or am I seven or am I eight? You know, yeah. Or am I ones and twos? And yeah, yeah. okay, if I am creeping towards five and fours, what can I do? Get gets about six and sevens. And I think it's only when I started understanding it, it's like a, it's good and bad, you know, and everything in between that actually working with sailors, you use you, the you conversation of like where are you at um and it's and it's that thing of and okay if you are fours and fives and sixes or wherever you happen to be what can i do to help you get back up here um yes it's, it's, it's yeah it's interesting so as, as a coach it's a lot because you um you deal with that, the full range of like short phase emotions <laughs> like yeah you know like i'm having a bad day but then also you have a you do you should have a more holistic responsibility of like you know you know being a teenager is is horrific yeah. you know like yeah. <laughs> it's you know it's horrific i mean being in your 20s and 30s is pretty horrific but like you know it's yeah. a, it's a freaking emotional roller coaster isn't it never mind when you like lump in a bit of performance sport into it as well
0: Well, oh, yeah and you're trying, you know you're trying to qualify for the the biggest sporting event in in the history of the world you know but i think, yeah. I think that's really interesting what you said there. I think you know, and I think mental health as a whole is is, is looked at like that a lot. It's looked at like an, an illness, you know. It's looked at like you have cancer, you have you know pneumonia, you have COVID nineteen, you know. You have mental health problems, but I think I think that's why it potentially gets such a bad rap, and a lot of people don't talk about it is because it is so hard to quantify what what you know what's going on, and you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. And can be is, is looked at a lot more taboo especially when you're talking to younger people and things you know
1: it's, and it's, it's it basically like so we've got to a stage now we just think that it's like it's a bit weird but it's like a performance criteria so like you know it's a bit like going, okay, what's your energy level like yeah you know, I'm really tired or I'm yeah I'm thinking full of beats right okay if you're full of beats we're gonna work you really hard cool yeah okay so that's that's where I'm at you know actually I'm really tired because I've I've come off a massive training block of this or, okay we'll do some okay well mentally where are you at you know actually yeah, i'm, I'm feeling super positive energized and I'm, I'm good here okay cool let's well let's do some stuff that really challenges so i'm going to push you mentally or actually yeah, I'm, I'm i'm having a bit of a tough time at the moment. okay well let's let's do this because that might help you get to here or that might take yeah. the pressure off so if you just if you look at that same way it's like an energy level that sort of stuff you and then suddenly you become a lot a lot better at recognizing when it's um down when when it's not when it's when it's starting to go down right so yeah. i can get it up so in theory you're less like all over the place like maintaining sugar level isn't it you know like yeah, exactly. you know rather than being like boom bust boom bust you're like okay i'm maybe a little bit steadier I think um, yeah you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to have crashes and ups and downs still but no, way of looking I, it. I, think,
0: I think that that's interesting i mean that's something that i've always i've always found worked for me really well and i've, I've always said it to people on the podcast is i've always i've very much steered into the skid You know, if I found myself, if I'm I'm having a bad day or anyone else's, I've always been kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to accept it. and I'm going to try and do something I enjoy to make myself feel better rather than pressuring myself to write, well, I've still got all this work to do or I've still got all this to do. Actually, just going, all right, guys, you know, you're not really up for doing tacking drills today. Why don't we do a downwind or, you know, do a downwind down to there? I don't know, you know, make it. I, I, that for me, that certainly worked. Is yeah, steer, steering into the skin is what I've always just said.
1: So that's interesting. Yeah. That
0: you do that's interesting that you kind of encourage that kind of mindset on a professional level as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, because it's, it's it, yeah. If you look at it purely from a performance point of view, it is a pillar of that. I mean, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, and then and then from a well-being point of view, what you like outside is going to have an impact on what you like in it. So yeah, it's yeah. You know, there's only so many things you can put in your stress bucket.
0: Well, yes, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, well, as soon as it starts overflowing, it just becomes impossible to to retain any kind of new information and stuff. Yeah. So, I imagine does does that ever become difficult for, for you you guys then as the coaches? Like, do you do you find you know being being that kind of coach and you're always kind of switched on to notice someone else? Do you find that impacts your guys' mental health as well? And does does
1: it ever become um, exhausting? yeah i mean does it, uh, no i mean the coach to coach you it all depends on what you got on really like you know the yeah. job it's the job itself can sometimes be the easy job in the world and it's fantastic and you love it and then sometimes it's you know it's it's really tough really long days and it, it depends on what the you know again pressures on the eye at the time you know in terms of you know, looking out for other people's mental health, i don't i don't think that has a that has i don't think that has too bad, bad an impact on you do you know what I mean like in terms of like from actually looking at like other people's well-being i think looking out for well people's well-being generally i think is is quite a holistic way of looking out for yourself do you know what I mean like yeah you know, definitely. You know, and i think you know if you if you can come off the water and you feel like you've coached the athlete and not just the skill you, you feel like you've done a good you feel pretty good about yourself do you know what I mean yeah. like you know yeah, like you know i've i've actually you know i've made a bit of a connection with the person I coach here or i've yeah, I've managed to focus on them rather than jibing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, you, know, do you know I mean? So, so yeah, that's that in itself is not not too bad. Um, I, I think other pressures outside that have a much bigger impact than actually to start, you know, addressing that side of things. But yeah, if you get it right, actually, it can be a it's it's a it's a pretty good feeling, really, because um, yeah, well, you you, you, you feel like you've had an impact. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, it's. It, it, I think that's why I. I stayed carried on just teaching windsurfing for so long obviously it's an amazing lifestyle if you do it abroad but also actually it's it's an immensely satisfying job you know you you get so much so much kind of job satisfaction from it because you have all these people coming up and at the end of every week they write down how brilliant you were and you know these people learning (coughs) new skills and you literally stand there and you watch it happen you know like even even with these guys on the British sailing team I bet you watch it happen on a you know, if not a day to day basis, a week to week basis of shit, these guys have actually got better from the stuff I've been telling them to do.
1: Well, yeah. it's, ne- well it's never from the stuff you tell them to do. Right. It's a, you know, no, it's not even that. This is a really interesting one, isn't it? Like, you know, do you tell people or do you ask people? But, you know, there's, yeah, you give them the odd hint and tip here and there. But actually, yeah. a lot of journey is getting them to work it out themselves. You know, just yeah. you put the right challenge in place and that stuff. And that's why they're good. You know, that's why they do well because they don't get they don't get told what to do get asked asked what you're trying to achieve or, or get set a set challenge you know, And know otherwise we'd all have to be you know otherwise I, I wouldn't be in the job because technically i'd have to be an olympic foiling medalist to be able to right. coach. Yeah.
2: You'd, be, well, you'd
0: just be you'd just be writing instructions on a board and they just have to follow yeah, it yeah no, they, uh,
1: that's you know, it but yeah so um but yeah but this but you know it's it's if you help them get there that's yeah good feeling yeah, but yeah, you know, they would. I think also understanding as a coach, like if you weren't there, they'd get there anyway. But they might not get there as quickly. Do you mean so yeah, it's uh, that? Yeah,
0: back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? I think yeah. that just it just depends on how how you do it and how they learn, really.
1: Yeah, um, no, that's it.
0: Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating topic to look to look at is actually how how we all learn and we all learn differently. I mean, I've, I've said it, you know, in in previous ones. I mean, I. For me, I have to watch something, and I'm quite lucky with the sports I do because they're all they're all so visual. Um, like I don't. You said you've listened to a couple of ones, but this year I started um, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for me, you know, we kind of get in the circle, and the, the instructor he gets one of the other kind of black belts, and they do the move, and I'm like, I'm the one that puts my hand up. I'm like, can you just do it again? Can you do it again? Can you do it again? And some of the other guys, I think they've listened to what he said, and they're like, I'm ready to go. But I'm like, no, let's show me again. I want to watch it, and with that and windsurfing and all this, we're fortunate enough that, you know, I can go watch a video online or watch a video, even of myself trying it. And that, that's, that's how I learn. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's always, always nice to see yourself land it at the end as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one. I think we're all, we're all wired so differently, but then in terms of kind of mental health and things like that, I think it's, there's definitely, we are kind of all in the same boat with certain things.
1: But yeah. It, no, that's it, isn't it?
0: We can, be, we can be super far away from each other in some aspects, but in other ones, we're kind of all the same and we're all looking for the same thing, really. Um, whether, we're, whether we're a beginner getting on the board for the first time or one of, your, one of your, the British sailing team, you know? Going yeah,
1: that's it.
0: Um, I think it just, it's, it's where you are as well, where, where you're setting your expectations. It doesn't really matter whether it's doing a shaka or you know, managing to lift the sail out of the water by yourself.
1: Yeah, it's all, it's all a challenge, isn't it? Challenge is a is a, is a totally relative relative concept, isn't it? where you're at and design. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, exactly. It's nice, exactly. Yeah, nice. Um, well, yeah, Sam, thank you for um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for thanks,
1: Emil. Um, Not problem at all.
0: Um quick, 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 quick one to finish. Um, obviously, uh, with this podcast, I usually like to drink a few beers. I've had my yep. brew. Brew, brew dog's actually weirdly local for me, but I mean, are you 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 drinking many beers? Are you obviously you did seasons. You used to be a, obviously a beer man,
1: but um, no, no, I wasn't. No, don't drink beer. Don't drink beer. <laughs> don't like it. Don't you, like were, you used to be you used to be addicted to Coca Cola. I remember, didn't you? Did used to be addicted to Coca Cola? Yeah, that is a true fun, true fact. Yeah, he drink thirty-five bottles a day. No way. Yeah, little glass ones. Yeah, I had some friends that caused an intervention on one stage. stopped me there stop me drinking it. I was very excited all the time. Um, Five bottles of Coke a <laughs> day. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, no, so yeah, don't drink beer. Don't drink beer. Don't just, drink beer. What were, no. you? Were, were you? Were you just a rum and Coke man then? Or you... Yeah, or, you know, or a white wine, classy, white wine, bit of tapas, you know. <laughs> a spritzer, a spritzer. Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, we're, we're
0: all locked down, we're stuck. Um, if you could, if you could click your fingers right now and you'd be somewhere, you'd be a, you know, a happy place, And right. whether you're going windsurfing, whatever, where, where would you be?
1: Oh, or, oh anywhere on the water, really. Like, yeah. yeah, last two days, last two days actually was great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, load of mates out. What's your, what's the, fa- what's your favourite spot? Have you got a favourite spot? Okay. I could tell you yeah, but you know, it's locals only. No, um yeah, no, uh, no. Uh, I mean last two days have been out uh, like Franks and Dean Chine which is like my local spot, which is really good. But around here probably Kimridge is my favourite really. So eBay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Kimridge. But um where should I be? I mean what we're now almost in the May. Should, well I should be on the way to Holland at the moment, but um wow should be in Greece in a few weeks but yeah out of Lesbos which is a pretty pretty cool place to be. where we first met that's where I want to be where we first met okay. yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's back it hands yeah never been the same since you left no yeah. I'm sorry I've never been back yeah. either I should but yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. windy enough for me um, it is great foiling destination actually yeah, yeah. if only that existed when I did seasons that would, would change the game
0: I've done an embarrassingly small amount of foiling I just I just I, I yeah. kind of left seasons and then suddenly it was everywhere and stuff I, I went wing foiling last year I really enjoyed that the, yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. a bit of uh, inflatable manta ray wrestling oh, the, uh, that. Big, that
0: yeah. really, that's really fun I really enjoyed
1: yeah, it It's good It's good fun.
0: Uh, what you've been what you've been watching entertaining yourself you mentioned the um last, last dance yeah, last yeah. dance yes we watched that what
1: you've been watching uh, so yeah seen the last dance I finished that last night uh, no. yeah Tiger King like everybody else yeah yeah, Tiger, yeah. yeah yeah Tiger King yeah I think I think I could, I could the mullet is pretty much I just need to shave the sides and I could get myself a nice uh, Joe exotic haircut I think yeah you should mate uh, yeah um, and then actually um, a combination of uh, a bit of modern family actually a bit of modern family quite like nice. just yeah. light, light watching then light watching a bit, bit of light watching yeah nothing too heavy nice
0: mate nice nice yeah. Um, and then usually I would ask uh, f- favorite sport, what pastime you'd be doing, but I think you've you pretty much answered it. I guess you'd be foiling.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I tell you, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, like windsurfing is my main passion, but like you mentioned, winging, like I've got into that last year. I learned to kite surf last year as well. You know, like you know, so kite foiling, wing foiling, windsurf foiling. I don't know. It's a weird one. As I, I think, as I get older, I I soften to other sports in terms yeah. of. I realize that actually I just enjoy being on the water like yeah. that's the big no, one. I think yeah, it's, so yeah. yeah I
0: mean I'm finding it as well you know and I'm, yeah I'm sat in my head like you know especially after my conversation with Sam last week I'm like maybe I should try and coach yeah
1: you. I think it's a real funny one it's like I think you know I talked about this idea of fixed versus growth mindset I think you know as a young young windsurfer was like you know like what sort of, I like coaching but I wanted to learn the next move my focus was so narrow like bang that's all I want yeah, to be yeah, yeah. and like anything not this is rubbish. You know, like, you know, even, even at one stage, like, it's not freestyle. I'm not into it. That's all I do. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever, Any, anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's I'm, I'm, yeah. The,
2: I'm,
0: I'm exactly the same as well. I had yeah. years where I was like, I don't really care about wave sailing. Why would not you just go surfing? But now I'm like, yeah, yeah. I enjoy wave sailing. I like jumping. Yeah. And, and then, you know, now to be honest, at the
1: moment I wouldn't even say no to just giving me a six-five and a free ride board, and I'll just go. Yeah. he—he he who dies with the most toys wins. I think that's the adage, isn't it? So. And,
0: <laughs> and, and, and you know, Sam—Sam Sam Light said it in the last one. He said it's—it's it's very easy to sit on the beach and laugh at what someone's learning, but actually, and I said as well, usually the people sat on the beach laughing can't actually do what
1: the, yeah. the, they're laughing about. You know. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I am yeah fast and away if I become a, I'm becoming a cook in as many sports as I can basically that's the that's uh, the best,
0: yeah. best way to be mate it's the
1: best way to yeah, be yeah that's
0: it um, that's it nice mate well hopefully um, we will be able to see each other in person uh, soon yeah
1: fingers crossed
0: yeah I mean f- fingers crossed we can, we can get the freestyle event in, in October in Weymouth again um, yeah that'd be good but yeah but yeah um, anyway mate thank you thank you very much for coming um, guys thank you for listening I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, sorry, there's quite a bit of technical windsurf chat, but I think, you know, just a, a, lot, a lot of stuff about, um, about learning, about kind of men- mental health and, and coaching. Um, so I hope you guys can take something away from it. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Sam. Thank you for your time. Cheers, Sam. Um,
1: no problem at all.
2: Cheers, guys. And we will see you for the next one.